This is Samuel from Animal. Hey, this is Cobra Page from Cobra and the Lotus. Hey, everyone, this is James from Lycanthro. This is Bill from Striker. This is Rachel with Grave Shadow, and you're listening to The Great Metal Debate. Welcome back to the podcast, music fans. The Metal Debate returns with another amazing metal artist interview. Today I'm joined by the guys in Greyhawk. I'll let you all introduce yourselves, but thank you so much for joining us on The Great Metal Debate. No problem. My name is uh, Darren Wall. I play bass guitar. My name is Jesse Berlin, and I play electric guitar. My name is Rob Steinway. I play guitar as well. And Nate Butler. I play drums. So we're here in Madison, Wisconsin, following Greyhawk's performance on day one of Mad with Power Fest. I was in the crowd earlier, and I thought you guys put on a killer set. It looked like the folks in the crowd around me were rocking out. What was your perspective from up on stage? It couldn't ask for a better response. You know, I mean, you come into a festival like this, you don't know what if people are going to know your music. You don't know if they're going to respond to it, especially a festival like this where it's so varied. There's lots of power metal bands. There's like a video game cover band. There's we just saw like a melodic death band, folk bands. So you don't know, and so it's it's exciting, but it's also a relief when they're yeah. into it. You know, you can kind of relax a little bit. So we thought the crowd response was great. We have no more merch; it's all sold. So clearly, they liked it. Yeah, we, came with, we came with a suitcase full of merchandise and the suitcase is empty now. We're cleaned out. <laughs> I was going to comment that following the set, it looked like you had a big crowd out there. Do you think it was mostly folks who had heard of you before? Or were there fo- anyone who came up to you who said, I'd never heard Greyhawk before, but now I'm a big fan? I think it was 50-50. Yeah. There were people yeah. that were like, I need to get a shirt. I don't have one. And they knew of us. But there's a lot of people who were like, Never Didn't know what to expect. I've never heard you. Got to get the album. So it was very cool. And again, the the line because you walked away and then you came back and a new line formed. So that was that was pretty impressive. Away, dude. I've been putting off your interview for too long. I've been trying to get away. I eventually had to just pack. we ran out. I just had to pack it up and say we're done. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you say talked about the variety on this bill. To me, Greyhawk is like the perfect match for Mad with Power. You've got that traditional metal sound. You also don't seem, at least to me, to take yourselves too seriously, which I think is kind of part of the, the vibe of this fest. Had you played with many of the bands on the bill before? And also, how did you get just get hooked up with Ty? Let's see. We played with Unleash the Archers before. Um, we played with Power Glove before. We played with, I think that's it. Yeah. We've met, met a bunch of the other bands before, but I think those are the only bands we've actually shared a stage with before. Um, and as for Ty, I mean, I remember the band just started, and I was just like shooting my shot to every festival, saying, "Hey, this is us. You know, would you like us to come play?" And didn't get a response for a minute. Then we played uh, Legions of Metal in Chicago in 2022. And I guess Ty got wind of our set there and was like, hey, heard you guys kicked ass. Like, we'd love to have you. Let's let's get it going for next year. And, you know, this was probably, I think, you know, it's hard to pick a favorite because we did Hell's Heroes. We did Hammer and Iron in Germany. And they're all very unique. But this one, riding pretty high on the emotions of it right now. So this might be my favorite one. Any other thoughts following the performance, the crowd, the opportunity? Overwhelming response. I mean, I, it, it blew our minds, honestly. Like, 
people are into it from moment one. Um, yeah, overall, just super great experience. They were even chanting your name at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. How was that yeah. like? That was pretty yeah, crazy. Was, no, had you had no. that happen before? And else, heroes yeah, in yeah, Germany. Yeah. Uh, but that was it's it's always heartwarming. You know, yeah, it really is. Always. Yeah. So, for folks who aren't familiar with Greyhawk, can you guys give us just a thumbnail sketch of how the band came together? Oh, it was me and Jesse at the beginning. Um, I'd moved to Seattle from Canada and was looking for a band and. There was this guy like playing unbelievable guitar stuff on YouTube, playing Racer X covers and Malmsteen covers, and I was like, man, I was like, I'll shoot this guy a, 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 a line and see if he'll like, you know, give me the time of day. <laughs> you know, he he came over and we jammed a couple times in my living room, and we just decided to make a band, and you know, we went through a couple lineups, but I think that was 2016 we started, Jesse. I, I lose count at this point. <laughs> no, 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 hey, come on. 2016 is not that long ago. It come on. Like it it's not. feels like a long time. But, yeah, it took us a little while to get, like, where we're at now. We kind of went on a hiatus, like, tried some lineups in the beginning and then kind of paused and then brought it back after, like, a barbecue. Yep. Got drunk. And <laughs> yeah. So basically what happened was we'd kind of given up, and then we uh, I had a barbecue for Canada Day because I'm Canadian. And I invited Jesse over, and we got drunk, and we were like, "Man, we never should have stopped playing those songs. They're great." And then, sure enough, like he showed up with a, another guitar player two weeks later, and then he showed up with our singer three weeks later, and then we got Nate about five weeks later, and then we were off to the races. And you said 2015, 2016-ish. COVID's kind of right in the middle of that. How did that affect the band just as far as the, the timing of your all's development? Oh, it sucked. It, it put us back. Um, there's no question. I mean, we had several festivals planned. Um, I think if we hadn't have to go on a hiatus in 2020, we would have been a lot further along than we are now. I think we probably would have been in Germany and Europe last year, maybe two years ago. And you know we would probably would have hit this stage a couple of years ago, but hey, you can't look, you can't spend life. You're driving up the highway, you don't look in the rearview mirror the whole time. You got to look ahead. So we're just looking ahead. The past is the past. It's over. Who cares? You know, let's just move on. One of the cool things that's that's come up in in that regard related to COVID is just that we've had a number of people tell us that they discovered us during the pandemic cool. when they were at a low point, you know, of their own pandemic experience, and that. Uh, Especially the Keepers of the Flame album like made a difference for them during that time, and so that's cool to hear. You know, even though ideally we would have not had that happen at yeah, all, so we could have all this stuff. Never would have happened, and no one would have died. But you exactly. know, <laughs> but considering that you know the world is full of disasters and crises, that if we can provide some little bit of uh, spark of energy or hope for somebody, that's that's awesome, and that's always nice to hear. You know. Oh, that's good. And you guys have a new member, Rob. How did you come about joining the band? Well, I actually played with uh, Darren in another project called Skeletor in Seattle. Um, and then, like, right before the pandemic, uh, parted ways. And, um, you know, just a little couple months ago, there was an opening spot kind of freed up. Uh, the prior guitar player, uh, Jacqueline, uh, relocated to L.A., and um, Darren gave me a holler and got learning the songs, and uh, we, here we are. This is like yeah. show number yeah. four or five. Yeah, four or five. So it's going pretty well. So not to put everybody on the spot, but like, how's it working out in the band? Yeah. <laughs> it's never sound. It's never sounded better, honestly. You know, 
all of our previous guitar players have been amazing. You know, everybody that's been in this band um, has been unique and brought their own uh, personality and their own creativity and their own energy to the band. And we value them and still love them. And, you know, it, they're all part of the development of this band. But if I'm being, like, objectively honest, like, Rob fits this band like a glove. He's a professional. And, you know, the band has never, ever sounded better live. It looked pretty seamless. If I didn't know that you were new to the band, I'll be honest, seeing you guys perform, it looked like looked like you've been part of it for years. Well, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot of it is the music, though, too. It's uh, really calls to you and helps you move and the shapes are very easy to make uh, <laughs> with, the, with the rhythm of the music and it just kind of takes you over. So so if you don't mind talking a little bit about that because I want to ask you about your, your most recent release but before that just talking about your musical influences maybe how you might have some different influences among the band? Oh we do. Um, you know we I, th- I would say our common influences the stuff that brings us together first is the classic Traditional metal, the Dio, Priest, Maiden, Manowar, you know, Black Sabbath, that kind of stuff that we all love and we all agree on. But you know, we all have a lot of varying tastes. I mean, you know, I I love stuff like Doom and Stoner Rock and you know, classic rock and roll. And Jesse's into a lot of the more neoclassical music. I mean, you can speak more to that. Yeah, um, yeah. I originally started on classical violin and. Had a background in jazz guitar as well, um, but those shows will never be as cool as these ones. So that's why I didn't, <laughs> that's why I didn't uh, pursue those professionally. Um, so yeah, once I saw like Ingve and uh, Van Halen and Racer X, the, the, the '80s the shred scene was captivated me since uh, ever since I laid a, laid eyes on that. Yeah. What is it about that the shred? Because I mean, I'm I'm old enough. I remember all that very well. It's not just the sound, it's also like the aesthetic of it. Is that a fair statement, that the look, the feel, the vibe? Yeah, sure. It was, uh, I mean, guitar playing, it's what made it popular in the, in the 80s. It was a great time to be a guitar, guitar player back then. And, you know, the guys like Eddie Van Halen, I would consider him, like, you know, the pioneer of bringing that vibe to uh, the big stage. You know, of course, there was many talented guitarists prior, but I would say he was, like, big one and you can say even Rishi Blackmore of Deep Purple like they were like two very big pioneers of mm. well faster and you know uh, heavier and uh, big big sound really you got you know Marshalls yeah uh, as or as Ingve would say it's two things you can see from space uh, and one of his is his great wall of Marshalls <laughs> <laughs> I mean playing in a band with someone like Jesse here or I presume Eddie Van Halen or that the fun thing about that is you never quite know what he's going to do, you know, because you know there's always more he's capable of that he's not even showing. And so it, it, even for us as a band, like sitting back there listening to the guitar solo, we're like, hmm, what's it going to be like this time? Oh, I haven't heard that before. You, you guys are lucky. He's got a fifth gear that he doesn't hit every night, but he hit that fifth gear tonight. So you guys were lucky to see it. It was, it was impressive. So I do want to talk a little bit about your latest release, the EP Call of the Hawk, which came out February of last year. I'm always curious about bands putting out EPs. There's so many different ways that music can be released these days. Just the single, the full album, the EP. Kind of what was the thought process about releasing it in that format, those five songs? The, the EP was like literally we just wanted to close the door on the COVID era of Greyhawk. 
we had a bunch of songs. You know that that era wasn't really inspiring for us. Um, to, it was difficult to write music. Um, we were all frustrated. Um, you know, the pretty much the whole band got COVID at one point altogether. Um, it was just a weird time, and you know we had a guitar player at the time who wasn't really working out and you know we basically were like we have this block of songs these are the songs we like these songs eh, you know maybe we'll use them later but we're not super thrilled on them let's just like record these songs put a stamp on this era record the ones we like and scrap the ones we don't and move on that's literally the whole thing but you know an ep in itself you think about it, it's a concise group of songs it's kind of a cool thing you know, it's a uh, it, it's it's a neat little package. It's a little more digestible in a full length in certain ways. So it's kind of a cool treat, I think. Yeah, I mean, we during that time we had multiple literal near death experiences, and I think that we kind of had this sense that we wanted to kind of put out a, a statement like we're still here, you know, for 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 our fans and and just for ourselves, kind of to be like, you know, let's put something out and. and I've always thought EPs are cool, and you know we we make the, the, both of the EPs we've made have been fat EPs. They're not like yes. it's not like a couple singles and some covers and other stuff. Like it's you get five fully fledged songs, and uh, and as a fan, I respect that. I, I hate hearing it. Uh, EPs coming out, and it's really one single, a B side, and a cover. That's that's there's not enough meat for me at least. Yeah. And something I've heard that uh, about. I think it's about all of our albums, but specifically the two EPs. I've had a lot of people say, I keep this CD in my car, and I listen to it all the time when I'm driving, because the length is perfect, because, you know, most places in the modern world, you know, it's going to take you 20 to 30 minutes yeah, to get a lot of places you're going to go, and the EP actually fits really well in that time slot. You played a few of those tracks tonight, and to me, they're distinct from your previous album, but they also fit in well in a set list like this. Is this your, this being my first time to see you guys play live, is this kind of your standard set list, or did you mix it up a little for tonight? This is our festival set. Yeah, yeah. We've been you know, playing more or less, you know, focusing on this same material for a little while now, and we've got kind of a, a headlining expansion to the set as well. Um, but we're working on new material now, and we're kind of, waiting on having some of that um, nailed down and released before we start, you know, putting new stuff in the set. One of the things I like about all your material is, I mean, it's metal, it's heavy, it's, you know, the, the thick guitars, but there's also kind of a cleanness to the sound. It's not just reminiscent of older heavy metal, some of which the production isn't all that great. I mean, you can really hear all the instruments come out to the fore. Is that something that you guys do on purpose, or is it just kind of how it, the music comes out? It's, I mean... I, yeah, I, I have a comment, yeah. I, for me personally, I think it's because of our individual backgrounds prior to even all meeting, and I think us having listened to a lot of early stuff, I think that's what separates a lot of the modern bands is uh, when you learn classic rock growing up, you got to learn to clean, play clean, as far as I'm concerned, even if it's not the most technical, but sure. it's a very pure sound back then, whereas, you know, did a lot of processing and things nowadays that can kind of color, I think, a lot of the, the sounds. Took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and I think as, as a, a vocalist who's had some classical training, I 
definitely work a lot on making sure that uh, there's a clarity in what I'm singing. I like it when people say they can understand the lyrics without having to look it up on a lyric sheet, that people who have never seen us before can come see us live and kind of get drawn into the storytelling aspect of the songs without having to like go look up a lyric sheet. And so I'm conscious about where I'm putting consonants, how exactly I'm you know articulating vowels at different parts of the voice. And that kind of thing. Uh, it's just something I strive for is to be clearly understood. I don't know if that's what you mean by clean. but You bring somewhat of a theatrical approach to the stage. Can you talk a little bit about that? And maybe also the, the tension between, you know, you used a few props, but not getting too proppy that, you know, it comes across as a gimmick. I, again, is I would say, call it theatrical, what you were doing. Yeah, I um, well, my background is in theater and opera specifically. Um, I sing with the Seattle Opera Chorus, which has given me a lot of opportunity just to kind of be on stage and observe uh, what's going on and what works and what doesn't, what really grabs people on stage. Um, and, and before I joined the band, I actually was doing um, uh, work touring around the schools in Washington State to introduce opera to them. And for one uh, of these shows, I was playing the role of an evil sorcerer. Um, and I had a lot of these like basic sleight of hand tricks, like I had a little, you know, little fire paper igniter in my hand. I had a little like expanding cane, and I love just like kind of interacting with the kids because kids are very honest, right? They'll tell you. Uh, drunk metalheads are the same way. They'll just let you know whether they <laughs> whether they like the music or not. Like right in that in, in that moment, you know whether they're having a good time. And so I kind of in that process figured out you know how to how to keep these kids on with their minds on the opera by just kind of going over the top and i started thinking you know what like it'd be really fun to like do this for adults and like a metal band or something because i've always loved this style of music um and so yeah i that's that's kind of my background so i bring a a theatrical um background to the band but yeah at the same time you have to be efficient i think that's something we're, we're a rock and roll band like what you said earlier about how you can hear all the parts like mm-hmm. We try not to overcomplicate everything, and that's why, like, you know, whatever props I'm going to bring, I try to make sure I can basically carry them with me, you know, in my hands or in my little bag or whatever. And, you know, I'm not doing anything fancy. It's just, like, I've got some stuff that lights up that kind of can create some visual interest um, and and make a picture on stage that's going to appeal to people, you know. Because people are looking with their eyes and just as they're listening at the same time, and and, and the, the, the visual presentation matters in rock and roll, whether we like it or not, you know. Darren, you were involved in an incident last year with a man with a gun at a show, and you've talked about that in other venues. Earlier this year, there was a fan who died at a Morbid Angel concert. A tornado hit the venue. Very sad. I'm curious to to ask all of you guys, folks who rely on people being involved in live music, wanting to come to live music events, how you all would advise fans to think about their own safety and risk factors and just how to how to kind of measure that when they're thinking about, oh, this band's coming around, I'd like to go see this show. It's hard to put a blanket response on that, but the thing I would tell people is don't let the Reaper dictate your life. You can't let you can't live life in fear and you can't be afraid to go do things you love because something bad might happen. Now, I mean, situations are all different. I mean, don't go see a show in Tornado Alley because, you know, or Hurricane Ridge or something. You know, something bad might happen. But, you know, bad things happen all the time. Um, 
And, you know, you just have to get up there and live your life, you know. And for me, myself, like, speaking of the things that happened to me, I mean, it took a while for me to be able to relax at a show. It took the same thing for all of us, you know. It wasn't just me. We all went through that together. And, you know, it took a long time for us to feel comfortable at shows again. But, you know, everyone here is a courageous person. Person, Everyone here, you know, realizes that, you know, hey, we have to continue on. We If you... If you stay home and whatever because you're afraid a guy is going to show up with a gun or a tornado is going to hit it, it's no way to live. Getting COVID. You, you, there's no way to live. You have to, we, it's, it's time, it's, you have to get up and do the things you want to do. Otherwise, what's this life for? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's worth having situational awareness to kind of maintain your, your awareness of what's going on in the situation to kind of think a little bit about how you might respond to an emergency. But just what he said, like, it's, there's an inherent risk just in like stepping out your front door in the morning. Yeah. That doesn't mean, you shouldn't do it, especially like, you know, with music, we're lucky to kind of live in a, in a place and a time that's pretty supportive of, of playing rock and roll music. Not everyone, you know, in history has been so lucky. And, and I certainly look at bands, you know, who play in, in places where heavy metal is frowned upon by the authorities or, you know, people who, you know, played music under various oppressive regimes and sometimes playing music isn't safe sometimes it's actually literally dangerous to go out and play music yeah but it's it's still worth doing because it inspires people it brings people together and it's you know life affirming it's a way to kind of like i look at playing music as a way to kind of like you know stand up to the reaper and like you know talk back a little bit you know, and, and that's it's. It, there's some risk, but it's it's just worth doing. Yeah, man, we're not we're not we're not gonna let one incident like that stop us. You know, or two incidents, or what? Three incidents, or four? You know, we're yeah. gonna live. We're gonna do what we want. We're gonna do what we love, and you know, just get out there and live your life. And yeah, like you said, don't be careless, but you know, also, you know, don't be afraid. Great advice, great advice. Well, I hear another band about to start, so uh, beginning to wrap up with you guys. Following this Mad with Power Fest, what is next for Greyhawk, and when can fans expect to hear new music from the band? Well, good question. What's next for us? We have two shows. In C- we have a show in Seattle in September. We're playing with one of our favorite bands, Metal Church, in Bremerton, Washington, um, in late September. Then we will be in L.A. Gates of Metal. For the like it's a metal fest then next year we'll be in germany for keep it true and hopefully a tour oh, wow. um and we will be in the studio to begin recording a new album on september 8th oh that's really specific damn so you guys literally got the time booked and are songs already in the can or what we have 10 songs ready to roll it will be a full-length album we have a badass big name producer picked out this one's going to be a big level up yeah, it's uh, we expect big melodies, expect a nice big sound, um, expect a, a, a very rock and roll approach. This might sound weird, but like one of the biggest, I, I've been listening to all this Bob Seger, just listening to fucking, and, and I don't know if anyone would hear that, but like it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Bob Seger, I'm feeling Bob Seger when it's I'm going to this video. So finally, how can fans purchase music and merchandise from Greyhawk, including the latest release, Call of the Hawk? Best way is greyhawkmetal.bandcamp.com. That's the best way. If you are in Europe, um, the shipping rates are are terrible. We understand that. So please go to our record label, Fighter Records, and get your, your albums from them, and you'll save a lot of money on shipping. 
Guys, this was my first time to see you all live. I so enjoyed it. I was singing along, pumping my fists out there, and I hope to see you guys again live sometime very soon and looking forward to the new album. Oh, yeah. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thank you.